0: Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come, so expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. So, for all of you moms and all of you new moms, congratulations, and we say uh, just, it's your day, so we love you and appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, If you're just joining us, we've been talking about the subject of pain, and we've been looking at the life of Job, and um, I thought, man, you know, it's Mother's Day, is it really, should should I continue talking about this, or should I head in a different direction? Um, But then I opened the Bible. And I turned, and the very first mention of pain is in Genesis, Genesis 1, and it has to do with being a mom, Genesis 1, or 3, I'm sorry, Genesis 3. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. You shall desire for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So from the very beginning, the the first job of being a mom is there's going to be some pain involved. It's like, wow, from the very beginning, thanks. So I figured we would still talk about pain. And uh, being I have so much experience in the uh, mother-bearing process, Um, I thought it might be appropriate if I invite my wife to join with me this morning in our conversation about pain. So, Devin, new mom in the house... Little Kobe is seven months old. We actually have a few new moms in the house this morning, and so uh, congratulations. And, and if you've noticed, too, Mr. Chris Stanley is not here. He is in Florida because uh, he, they are now grandparents because Lauren gave birth just a couple days ago to a little girl. And it's the season of girls. Everybody has girls. So I don't know what it is.
1: You want it to sit far away,
0: Well, sit let's sit close. Let's just sit close. I don't know how this is gonna go this morning. This is very scary. This area right here, I feel very scared, so.
1: Bear with us. We're gonna,
0: we're gonna talk about pain, and and even from the very beginning of Genesis, and uh, being a mom. Now, I gotta say that I think, from my point of view, I was the ultimate husband, you know, (laughs) through the entire process. I mean, she's, She's, she's having the morning sickness. I'm running out at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm getting pickles and ice cream. I'm getting, you know, cheeseburgers with, you know, sausage on them or something. You know, everything she wants. I'm Through the whole pregnancy process, I, I'm...
1: I don't remember that.
0: You don't remember I that? I don't
1: remember that at <laughs> all. I think if you left, you ate it and came back.
0: That is a possibility. And see, with that, see, what I think women don't realize sometimes is men go through it too. They go through the process. So I put on a little bit of my baby weight.
1: Baby weight. So
0: like a couple ounces over here, and then...
1: That's what he said to me one day, babe, I've got the baby weight. And he's like this. I'm like, there's no baby weight. We
0: go through it together, though. <laughs> but that's kind of what we want to talk about this morning. It's just about pain and how we can go through it together. We've looked at the book of Job and we've said that here here is Job and he's going through this amazing journey where he's suffered all kinds of loss. He's lost all of his possessions. He has lost his family. His children have been taken from him. And we find Job and it says that he is sitting in a pile of trash. He has scabs all over his body and he's just scrubbing himself with a piece of broken pottery just to get some relief. And all of a sudden, Job's friends show up. And at the very beginning, they are amazing friends. You want to know why they are amazing friends? Because the Bible says that they just sat with him. They just sat and they were silent. They just sat and were silent. Sometimes the best friends that we could have when we're going through pain, when we're going through something, suffering, is for them just to sit with us and be quiet. When Devin was in the hospital room, when she was giving birth to that baby, the best thing I could do was just stand there and let her squeeze my hand until there was no blood flowing from it. And then I was a good thing we were in the hospital. But it was a good thing. Sometimes we just sit and we're silent. And so we want to kind of move from that. So We're going to take it from a viewpoint of this morning of how we walk together with people. And so that's the first step, is just sometimes just being there, just sitting with people when they're going through tragedy, when they're going through pain. And the next step is walking with them.
1: So our great example of this from the Bible is um, in the book of Ruth and the story of Ruth and Naomi. And I think Ruth sets a perfect example for us of how to walk with somebody when they're going through suffering. So um, if you don't know, there's a lady named Naomi, and she's just an average lady. She has a husband, and she has two sons, and they're just living their everyday life when all of a sudden a famine hits the land, and people are starving, You know, people don't have food, don't have water, Um, like a recession, you know. We can relate to that a little bit, I guess. But um, so they decide they're going to move to a foreign land. So she picks up with her husband and her two sons, and they move away to a land they're unfamiliar with. And then her husband dies. So she's left now in a foreign land with just her two sons. And then her two sons die. And I'm just trying to imagine this. I can't imagine first being in a place you're not familiar with and then your husband dying and then not just one child but both of your children die as well. And so she decides she's going to journey back and she has two daughter-in-laws with her that have lost their husbands and she says, go back to your family. Go and, and, you know, you're free to do what you want to do. And one of them leaves and says, yeah, you know, that's that's easy. I'm going to go back to my family, of course. And the other says, no. And it says that Ruth clung to her and was there for her in that time. And she knew that she needed her. And Ruth actually means friendship. And I think Ruth set a perfect example of what it is to be a true friend. She put all her what she was going through aside, Ruth also lost a husband, but she put that aside and she said, I'm going to help you because you're in greater need than I'm in right now. And And she could see the suffering and the pain and the bitterness that was starting to, to be in Naomi and decided that she was going to take that journey back with her with not knowing this new land that she was now going to go to. And she was there for Naomi through it all.
0: So here are these two ladies, and one of them has... Uh, both of them, really, they have experienced this loss. They've, she's lost her her husband, her sons. This other lady has lost her husband. And they're journeying back, and they get back to the city. And people begin to look, and they say, oh, isn't this this woman that we knew, uh, Naomi? And they begin to call her blessed, and they're talking to her, and they're saying, welcome back. We're so glad that you're here. And she looks at them, and she says, do not call me this. Don't call me blessed call me bitter. Here's a woman now that has experienced so much pain and so much loss and so, so much suffering that even when she comes back into town, she's saying, don't, don't even call me by this. Just call me bitter because I, she says, when I left here, I was full. And now when I return, I'm empty. It's just like God has taken everything away from her. But here, we don't want to forget that on this journey of this pain, the suffering, this loss that this woman is going through, that Ruth was right there with her all along the way. And what's incredible is that Ruth walked with her and didn't become bitter herself. It's so, so easy to become bitter ourselves when when we get around people that are going through um, tremendous loss because... um, when we're going through things when we we're, we're going through sickness and stuff we say things we don't mean we do things we don't mean when we can easily easily become bitter i know if you get around me when i'm not feeling good when i'm sick
1: it's the worst
0: it's not a pretty sight the
1: biggest baby
0: i'm not yet most
1: impatient and the grumpiest guy you've ever seen when he is sick i'm going to tell a story right. when we were dating this is the first time i experienced him being sick We were at my apartment hanging out with friends, and he started not feeling good. So I said, you can go lay down on my bed and see if you'll feel good in a little bit. So I'll go back there with him, and is there anything I can get you, or blah, 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 you know. No, I'm fine. Well, do you want me to stay back here with you? No, no, go hang out with our friends. I'm fine. And then later, everybody leaves, and he says, I really wanted you to stay back there with me. Hi. (laughs) But you told me to go on that you didn't want me back there. Yeah, but whenever I don't feel good, just do the opposite of what I say. Doesn't doesn't everybody know that
0: rule? I mean, isn't that written somewhere?
1: What he wants. And that's how sometimes when people are going through stuff, they don't even know what they want. They're so confused, they're so out of it, they could be in shock. Of what's going on in their lives, and we have to have that extra patience and that extra grace and mercy to give that people because they don't know what, you they know, what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, <laughs> it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to actually live this thing out and do it. Um, I got a phone call not too long ago from someone that, you know, they were in pain and they were in suffering, and then all of a sudden, for like the next thirty minutes on the phone, they just began to tell me how I was doing everything wrong and how what pretty much a bad person I was and all this thing. And, and, and I just kind of just sat there and just, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. Now, was that what I was thinking inside? No. But I knew that this person was hurting. I knew that they were saying things that they didn't mean. I knew that all of this was just coming out of this place of pain and suffering. And so just, just to sit there and just, okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I apologize if I've hurt you in that way. You know, just just let it all out. It's okay. So the thing is, when people are going through, we have to have an extra special measure of mercy for those people. We have to, we have to give freely. You know, Jesus says, uh, freely I've given, freely you give too. You know, it, it's not, just, it's just, not just talking about money. It's talking about mercy and grace. He's, give, he's given it to me so many times when I haven't deserved it. And he's saying, Lucas, I expect the same of you. I expect when people are saying these things about you, when they're hurting, or whatever, I expect you just to just take it sometimes and just, just to say, okay, just give them some grace, just give them some mercy. And I know that that's really easy to say. It's really hard to do. And here's what makes it even harder. It makes it even harder when you're dealing with someone that's going through pain and going through suffering, and yet they're pretending like everything is okay, they're pretending like they are on top of the world and you should be just like them. Because they've been going through this pain and the suffering for so long that no longer is it okay that they have to deal with it, but they want you to deal with it as well. And so they've made it their mission to spread the pain. And if you don't feel the way they're feeling, there must be something wrong with you. It's, it's the person that's the successful businessman that, looks like he has it all together, and yet is contemplating suicide. It's the, quote, religious person that goes to church every Sunday and prays all the right prayers and does all the right things, and yet on the inside is just crying out in pain and suffering. But that's not what they say. That's not the words that come out of their lips. The words that come out of their lips are often like Job's friends. The words of judgment. The words of, hey, well, this is why you're going through what you've went through. This is why you're you're experiencing this. Because it has to be some kind of sin in your life. Because with them, there's always an easy answer to everything, and it always has to do with you. It always has to do with something you did. And the reality of the situation is, God just doesn't work like that. There's things that we don't understand, and there comes a point in time where we, we just need to sit and we just need to listen, and we just need to have mercy, and we just need to walk with people. And there are going to be those ones that try to pull us into their pain. I'm I'm sure that as Naomi and Ruth were walking that journey, they were walking that long, dusty road back to town, Ruth had every opportunity to get bitter right along with Naomi. She had also lost her husband. She was a part of the famine as well, but she didn't. She was able to walk with this person and not get bitter. That in itself is an amazing, amazing thing. Jesus was able to do it. Jesus looked down from heaven into humanity and he saw that there was this problem. He saw that we were trapped in sin and there was no way out. And he just didn't look down and say, well, this is why you did it. And this is why. No, he entered into our story. He became part of our story and endured the cross, and endured all of the lies that were told about him, and everything that, that people said that this is how it'd be, and Jesus stood up against all of that. And there was much grace, and there was much mercy. And it's amazing to me just that as we walk through this journey, we've got to learn to live just like that to be able to walk with people in the hurting times of life, in the pains and the sorrows of life, and yet not get bitter.
1: Yeah, There's um, my old youth pastor used to say, hurt people, hurt people. It's just what they know. They've been hurt, and so that's the reaction is to turn around and hurt people. And I was looking up what mercy meant since that's what we need to do is extend mercy to those people. And it said that you're able to provide relief for their suffering, that's what mercy is—providing relief from suffering. And I thought that's perfect. That's that's our what we can do for that person. That's what mercy is—is is providing relief from their suffering. And I just thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, how we could be a part of people's story and yet still remain uh, in the loving arms of God is really amazing. Uh, you were going to share a story about how uh, with me and the. You're Poison ivy. Yeah, why don't you share that one?
1: Okay, so talking about sharing and pain, Lucas, if you don't know, is highly allergic to poison ivy.
0: Like super allergic. But he can
1: breathe it, and he's had it on his lungs before. That's yeah. how yeah, yeah. bad he's got it. So like, before. don't give
0: me poison ivy for my birthday, right? Please, you know. yeah. Not so, not cool. Like, so I just so you know. <laughs> Facebook update. Okay. So Sorry. he
1: didn't know. Or, I didn't know that he had gotten his poison ivy. So, I'm sitting there at night cuddling and just loving on him. And, and that's what we do love on people, right? When yeah. they're hurting. And I didn't know he was hurting with poison ivy. And the next thing you know, I'm hurting with poison, with poison, ivy. poison ivy. I got it. It
0: easily spreads.
1: And I shared the pain with him and I understood what he was going through the suffering <laughs> she
0: understood exactly but, the pain
1: you know on a more serious note with that we've got to remember that the closer we are to the person that's going through the pain or the suffering the more we're going to see that not so pretty side of them you know the they can lash out at those closest to us the husband Um, he's going to see that ugly side of me more than I would share it with you when I'm going through something. I'm going to lash out at him before I would lash out on you on something. And so we really have to remember to be patient, especially if you're that closest person to them. And don't take it so personal. They feel comfortable with you. And that's why you see that side, because they're, they're the most comfortable with you. And so you see things that other people don't see. And just remember, they're just doing it out of you know, frustration and the pain that they're going through and just to extend that grace and mercy.
0: Yeah, this last week um, after church, uh, I just began talking with one of the ladies here uh, about a trip to India. And she was telling me a little bit about her experiences there. And I was kind of telling her about one of my experiences there. And it just got me kind of reminiscing about this moment I had when I was there at one point where I was working with this missionary. And I may have told you all this story before but please just kind of bear with me because for me it's a very special moment where we had been uh going town to town or village to village and I hadn't eaten for uh you know maybe it might have been even a couple days I'm not sure we just got so busy and uh, it wasn't like food was r- really widely available that part that we were at and so we end up at this train station and the missionary had called his uh, uh brother or somebody, I'm not exactly sure, but he was going to meet us there at the train station and he had some little jars of rice for us, so we were going to have dinner. And so we get there and we're waiting and I'm just starving. But as I'm looking around, uh, if you've ever been to a train station in India, it is one of the saddest places on the planet. I mean, there there was seriously kids everywhere. And it wasn't just like, I mean, it, it was just like the picture of poverty. I mean, these kids have nothing, and they're in the train station, and they're begging. And, and, and I thought I was hungry. These kids were hungry. These kids were starving. And a lot of them were, were missing limbs. They had sores all over their bodies. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm just, my heart's just being broken. This is a moment that I'll never forget. And we get there, and the missionary finally shows up with the rice. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just like, man, you know, there's no way I could eat this. I can't eat this rice with, with these kids right here. Um, but it's in this little Tupperware container, and I can't just give it to the kids because over there, it's like this Tupperware container is very valuable. And so it's like, man, how can I give the rice to the kids? Well, the kids go, and they have this piece of old newspaper, and they, they lay the newspaper on the ground, and I just kind of dump the rice on the newspaper. And next thing you know, there's, there's probably 15 kids at least just eating the rice off of this newspaper on the ground. And... It's just this moment of, man, you know, I thought I was hungry, but these kids were hungry. And yet, the day went on, I, I went, we took the train ride, and I still never ate, but I wasn't hungry, but I was. And John, the Bible tells the story of Jesus, and he has been on this journey and he sits down at a well, and he's hungry. And the disciples go out to get him food. But yet, while the disciples are gone, he's sitting there, and this woman comes out who doesn't know about him. so they enter into this discussion, this conversation. And by the end of the conversation, the lady's running back to town to tell everybody about this man named Jesus. And when the disciples return, they look at Jesus, and they're saying, Here, here's the food that we went to get to you. Eat something. And Jesus' response is amazing. He says this, he says, I have food that you do not know of. My food is to do the will of the Father. And in that moment in India, I knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. I have food that you do not know of. Yeah, my stomach may still be hungry, but this will last forever. Forever we enter into people's story, we enter into people's pain, and we can do it and get better and not bitter. We can be like Jesus. There's a food that he has that we don't know of. All of creation is moving in this certain in direction of redemption it was lost in sin and all in Romans it says all of creation is crying out and waiting and wanting to get back to where it should be. All of us are moving in this area of redemption, moving through the pain, through the heartache, through the loss, and yet we can do it and not get better. We could do it and get
1: better. Here's a story I'm gonna share. It says, in a hospital, a little five-year-old boy was dying of lung cancer. His mother loved the Lord Jesus with all her heart, and painful as it was to watch her little boy suffering, she was right by his bed every day. One night, while she was gone home, there began to come sounds out of the room where the little boy was. He was saying, I hear the bells, I hear the bells, they're ringing. He said that through the night, and nurses thought very little of it next morning the mother came walked into the nurse's station and asked how's my boy they said well he's hallucinating he keeps talking about hearing bells it's probably the medication she stopped and pointed her finger at the nurse and said now you listen to me he is not hallucinating he is not out of his head I told my boy weeks ago that when the pain got so bad he couldn't breathe when it got really bad that he was going up to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus And I said, when it got really bad, he would look up in the corner of his room toward heaven and listen for the bells. They'd be ringing. They'd be ringing for him. She swept down the hall and turned into his room and saw her little boy. She picked him up and held him in her arms and rocked him. And he talked about the bells until they were just an echo.
0: The mom entered her boy's story. There's another story that I heard just this week about um, uh, what used to happen to prisoners of war and how they would be tortured. And there's this one story about this man that was being tortured in this concentration camp, uh, I believe, and they would tie this rope around the guys and they would tie it around the back of their arms where they were like this and then they would hoist them up from the ceiling and they would begin to bounce the men. So all of this pain and all the weight of their body would just bounce just minute after minute, hour after hour. And they were doing all this to get the men to do, do a couple things. One, they were getting them to renounce their belief in Christ and to renounce their country. And so they would do this to these men. And time after time, the men at some point would eventually always break. They would break and they would renounce their faith in God, and they would renounce their country. Well, this one particular man that went through this process, after he had gone through it and renounced, he found himself in his cell that night. And he was just in tears, and he was crying, and he was saying, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't want to renounce you. It's I, I, I feel so, he just felt all of this pain and hurt for what he had done because he he didn't want to renounce Christ, but the pain was so intense that he was just bawling in tears when all of a sudden he began to hear this tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, tap. tap. And then all of a sudden he recognized those taps were in a certain code. It was in Morris code. So he began to decipher the code. And what it was was the man in the cell next to him. And the man in the cell next to him, through that Morris code, just began to encourage him and say, It's okay. I'm right here with you. I did it too, but it's okay. God forgives us, and he loves you. And he was telling him this, and he was encouraging him through this mortgage code, but then he said this. He said, but don't forget, there's another man on the other side of the cell of you too, and he's going through what you're going through. You tell him it's okay. They shared in each other's story. They shared each other's pain.
1: I have one more story. And this is a story of my mom. And if you don't know, I had a twin brother who, I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cry, had cancer. It's a very similar story to what I read. But she was strong. And she was there for him when... He was throwing up when he was so weak he couldn't tie his own shoes. And she set that example for me of how to be strong and how to be loving and there and walking through the pain. And I think mothers are such a great example of that, of being there for others and loving and helping and walking through that. But we have to remember that there's always somebody watching Not just how we are ourselves, but how we treat others, and especially how we treat others in their pain and their suffering. Are we really there for them like we say we are? Are we really supporting them? Are we really listening to their story and being compassionate and trying to help? Or are we just saying, oh, I'm so sorry about that? It's so easy to do that. We hear things, especially cancer, I mean, I bet everybody in here knows somebody or is related to somebody that's had cancer or, or knows of that. And it's so easy to get so used to that that we don't really enter in with them with what they're going through. It's so easy to come numb to those things. But we really have to make ourselves aware of what they're going through and try to enter into their story.
0: Shakespeare wrote, I have suffered with those I saw suffer." Ecclesiastes says this. It'll be on the screen. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men and the living will take to it heart. Here, the writer is saying it's better to go to the house of mourning. In other words, it's moving in this direction. At some point, we all will die. I know we like to live as if we would Live forever, but we are moving in this direction. And in the end, ultimately leads to redemption and life in Christ here and in the life to come. But so often, how often is it that we don't want to go to the house of mourning? We want to stay in the joyful place, in the happy times. When you're reading the book of Job, Job finds himself in the house of mourning, and his house is a pile of trash. And he's covered in pain. And all he finds himself there with is just a couple of friends. And he says, man, people look at me and they laugh and they mock and they leave. But at the very end of the book, it says this, people will begin to show back up. And other people in the family all came in. And they had heard of what Job had went through. It, everybody wants to pile in when it's a party. But sometimes when it's morning, it's easy to just kind of sit that on the back burner. It's easy to not want to walk with people in those certain times of their life. But that's exactly, as Christians, what we must do. We must learn to sit together. We must learn to just sometimes be silent. We must learn to walk together. And the last thing that we want to talk about this morning is we must learn to cry together. We must learn to enter in and share in that pain, and often it's done with tears. Sometimes, tear-filled eyes do more good than a mouthful of words. Sometimes, you don't have to say a thing. Crying is all throughout the Bible, and no places that it use more than in the book of Psalms. We'd like to read a few different Psalms this morning. All of these Psalms were written by David. First one is in chapter 22, verse 1 and 2. They're going to be on the screen.
1: My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and am not silent.
0: So here we find David's writing the psalm, and he's in the midst of going through it. He's in the midst of the pain and the suffering, and he's saying, I'm crying, Lord but it's like you don't even hear. Psalms 34, 17.
1: The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles.
0: Now here, David is doing a completely different psalm. Here, he's no longer going through the pain, but he's actually teaching in the psalm. And he's talking to people in the assembly, and he's saying, "The, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. And see, it's a different kind of context when he's not going in it when he's not going through it. When he's in the midst of the pain, he's saying like, God, I'm crying out and it's like you don't even hear. But now we we find that he's not in the pain and he's saying, oh yeah, don't worry guys. The Lord, he'll hear you when you cry out. The righteous cry out and God hears. It's a kind of a different story when you're going through it and when you're teaching it. I know just because I'm up here teaching you This stuff, every pastor in America and the world, just because they're teaching it, it's one thing to teach it, it's another thing to go through it. It's a different story as we walk it out. David continues in 55.
1: As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice.
0: David's saying he will cry aloud evening and morning. He's saying that this is a process. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just a moment where we can cry out and that's the end of it. He's saying, I'm going through this day in and day out, evening, morning, noon. And 69.
1: To the chief musician set to the lilies, the psalm of David, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I've come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail me while I wait for my God.
0: Here we have David again. He's crying out and he's saying, God, it's like I've cried so much that I can't cry anymore. My tears are all dried up. My throat is just like I can't do anything else. He has reached the end of himself. He is going through the process once again. And in chapter 145.
1: The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He, will, he also will hear their cry and save them.
0: So here we have David again, and he's made it through the process. You see this journey that he's taken us on through the Psalms. There's ups and there's downs. There's, there's times where he could say, hey, when you cry out, God's going to listen. And there's times where he's saying, when you cry out, it seems like he's not there. And he's saying, I do it day, morning, noon, night. I'm going through this thing. He said, I've done it for so long that I can't even do it anymore. Here's a man that's being brutally honest with God. And in front of everybody, he's saying, look. This life is full of ups and downs. It's full of all these different moments. There's, there's pain one moment, there's joy the next, and then it comes again. But yet, through all of it, he knows and he's saying that God is right there. He will hear your cry. There's something about, there's something very, very overwhelming about crying out to the Lord. Now, it's a medical fact, That when babies begin to cry out, when they begin to cry out for their mom, that inside of the mother's body, inside of the mother's breast, actually begins to gear up and get ready to nourish that child. That milk begins to get ready for that that child that's crying out just from hearing the cry. Could it be that God works the same way? That when we cry out to him, that everything inside of God is gets ready, and gets geared up to take care of his children? Could it be that when we cry out, God is right there ready and everything inside of him wants to nourish you? Now, there's an old, old tradition that says this. When someone is in the house of mourning and you go to speak to them, you remain silent. You could not speak to them unless they spoke first. So in Job, when we begin to read the story, and it says that his friends came and they sat and they remained silent, they remained silent because they were obeying the law of the land at that time. And his friends don't speak until after chapter 3 when it says, And Job broke the silence. And when Job broke the silence, he cried out to God. He's saying, All of this that's within me, Lord, if you could even just curse the day that I was born, if you could wipe this day off of the calendar job is going through it and everything inside of him just says here it is god the good the bad and the ugly and he prays this prayer and it's just 100 percent honest how often do we pray that prayer to god because there's things inside of our hearts but sometimes we kind of put on the christian hat and say well i can't really say that to god trust me he knows already And you say, well, man, it just seems like God is silent. Well, could it be that he's silent because he is waiting for you to break the silence? He is waiting for you to cry out first. And when you cry out first, unlike Job's friends, he's not gearing up to tell you why this went wrong and with all of this judgment, but he is gearing up to nourish his child. He has something to. In store for you, everything inside of God is looking towards you. But first, we have to cry out. And it's a process, like David says, evening, morning, noon, I go through this thing. I cry out, do not give up. If you're in the midst of going through something, don't give up. Cry out to God. He will hear you. May we know when to speak and when to stay silent. May we walk with those that are in pain. May we give them an extra special measure of grace when they say things and do things that can hurt us. May we enter in to their story. And may we enter in not only with answers and judgments, but may we enter in with tears. And with sorrow, may we go to the house of mourning. May we sometimes just sit and be silent and walk and cry together. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
1: Come to the rock
0: Come to the fountain